Welcome to Mike on Much. It's another episode of Freedom. It's brought to you by the Mike on Much in conversation with on Crave. <laughs> Good. I, I, and Perrier. This was actually Shane's idea. We should just literally, everything is sponsored by uh, our own stuff. I like that idea, actually, because uh, that's what The Ringer does anyway. Like yeah. Every Bill Simmons part is like, this is brought to you by The Ringer, the world's yeah. best website. This is brought to you by The Pedestal, starring Jonathan Popolis, Shane Cunningham, Mike Veerman. Well, I was thinking we should make um, Crave ads. Ooh, I like, like it. real ones where we're kind of like they're scripted and we're talking and it has like good sound effects and stuff. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Whip it I'll up. work on it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, so, guys, today on the show, we are talking about lots. Producer Max sent us the list last night and the three topics on the docket today are Notre Dame. Notre Dame, which obviously burned down and we'll be discussing the fact that uh, it has received a ton of money and donations and fundraising for the rebuilding of uh, the classic cathedral. Yeah, I want to get into aren't that. happy about it. No, people aren't happy about it. So I want to get into more about the rebuilding efforts and, um, you know, our moral stance on how we donate. Yes, sir. Uh, second on the list, we will be talking about uh, Stephen Hyden and his hit piece on <laughs> Colin Jost of SNL and then subsequently Michael Che defending his buddy, Mm, uh, Colin Jost on Instagram stories. Uh, we'll get into that story because essentially, basically, we'll get into the nature of criticism and I guess how the artist takes those critiques and uh, then I guess interacts with the critique. And if you're uh, unfamiliar with those names, those are SNL Weekend Update hosts. They're the two guys on yeah. Weekend Update. Uh, and then lastly, we'll be talking about Kanye West at Coachella. Uh, not on the main stage, but. Uh, he made his own stage. He made his own stage and uh, performed a, uh, Wasn't a church it just service. Grass? Yeah. It's like oh. a man-made hill. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't know that was man-made. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, before we get to that, I just want, do I look more tanned this week? <laughs> Why? Did you go to Miami, Max? <laughs> I did. Oh, talk about that. Well, I, Set um, him up, knock him down. I, you do look more tanned. I did. And you know what? I, I didn't even realize this, but I guess this is an old trick. Uh, when I went to the Leafs game, I wore a very bright white jacket. Yeah. Mm. And then when I looked at myself on the Jumbotron, no big deal, <laughs> uh, I realized I do look pretty tanned but mm-hmm. i guess that's a trick that uh tan people like to do is they wear white yeah. so their skin looks even more tan mm-hmm. gotta uh, be a fit to wear white though you know sorry you gotta be fit to wear white white yeah, doesn't I look good if you're underneath oh, and it makes your teeth look whiter too that's right yeah uh but yeah i went to miami with lauren it was really fun time i recommend it people say miami beach is uh very expensive which it can be but we uh managed to do it pretty much on the cheap i got, flew down on points mostly and we stayed at airbnb which was like 90 bucks a night and we went, ate a lot of cheap Mexican food, which was fucking amazing. Uh, when so you I, say points, do you mean you tweeted Air Canada and they flew you down? No, no, no. no, no. I mean, uh, we found a good deal Here's on Here's a point. Lawrence. I'm in a famous band. Are you sounding? <laughs> they do something good for point me. Point A. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, um, we had to check out of our Airbnb at 11 a.m. on th- Friday morning. Uh, and our flight wasn't until 9 o'clock at night, so we had some time to kill. Luckily for us, the previous night, Lauren and I ended up meeting up with some Toronto friends who were staying at a very nice hotel. And we ended up going out for drinks with them. Very cool couple, um, Chrissy and Tyler. Shout out to them and their cute little baby, Navy. And uh, they graciously allowed uh, said, you should pretend to be us. We're checking out. We have to be on a flight at noon tomorrow. You should just come hang out at our hotel pool for the whole afternoon and just pretend to be us. And I was like, that's a great idea. Do you have a resemblance to these people? No, not at all. But we just say, hey, like, this is my last name. I, I just checked out of this room. Our flight just got delayed. Can we hang out by the pool? And then, of course, no one's going to give us a hard time. So we did that. And it was, like, really nice because we got a little taste of the good life. It was like, a very beautiful hotel right on Miami Beach. Um, but I, anyway, I only bring this up because I have some, some uh, parenting advice for you guys. 
Oh. Yeah, uh, there was uh, a lot of kids at this pool. You know, you know what parents love is when people without kids give them parenting <laughs> advice. I know. <laughs> um, and so we were just sort of uh, eavesdropping on conversations happening around, and um, everybody was just talking about money the whole time. Mm. And so this one kid is talking to his dad in the pool. He's like maybe nine or ten years old, and he's like, "Hey, dad, like, how am I gonna, you know?" Uh, figure this out when I get older. Like, how am I going to be able to have this kind of life? And then he says, it's like, you got to learn about mortgages, son. So this so this dad's telling his, like, eight- or nine-year-old son all about mortgages. The guy, kid's, like, taking notes in the pool. <laughs> this other group of kids that were maybe, like, five or six years old started wanting to, like, sell, like, like a lemonade stand, but just with water from the pool. It's like, we're selling water. Who wants to make us an offer? And then the dad gets in the pool, and they're like, and, they, and then the kid just starts rattling off like economic terms and business terms. It's like, I'll buy your company for 50%. I'm the CEO. They're just like, like I'll short your mortgage. Like just like random. Like, wow. And I was like, this is what you got to do. This is how the rich. The advice rich. is to do this. The, the advice Ooh. is you just got to start talking starting to them young. So basically right. it's like, these are all lessons that nobody gave us. Like I didn't know what a fucking mortgage was until yeah. well after high school. And so like, but maybe if I, if this has been indoctrinated into me since mm-hmm. nine this years old. And every, and the, and then the couple next to me is just talking about what kind of credit card they're having. This is what rich people do is they just talk about rich people. Things. I agree, but these kids seem very annoying. Oh, no. Yeah. I, and by the way, I'm, I'm being facetious here. Okay. This is fucking obnoxious to hear those kind of conversations. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of, of nine-year-olds. Like, but anyway, it was a little insight into uh, – into the world of the money. kind of conversations they have yeah 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 because yeah. I, I definitely like didn't know what a mortgage was no I was talking about ago. like boogers and the blue jays when I was yeah there. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have rather <laughs> been, bees, yeah. yeah I'd rather been talking about uh, <laughs> mortgages anyway yeah. that's my parenting advice did, they, did these rich people seem happy yeah, they seem they were having a pretty good time Miami Beach ain't cheap if you're staying there so. right, yeah. right are we gonna talk about the controversy that happened on the beach what was the controversy the Instagram caption that got chosen oh <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, basically, Lauren uh, took a picture in front of the Miami Beach Police Department. uh, And and everything on Miami Beach is like Art Decos and with cool colors. So everything looks great on Instagram. And I was like, oh, this would be funny. Let me me send this picture to my copy guys, i.e. Mike Veerman, Greg Veerman, and Shane Cunningham, and see if they'll come up with a funny caption. Lauren said, don't do that. I don't want you to do this. Uh, and I was like, why not? They're going to come up with something hilarious for your Instagram. You'll love it. And this is no, because whoever I don't choose, they're going to be mad at me. And I don't want that pressure. She knows me. <laughs> uh, so basically, I sent the note. And, and uh, Lauren, I think Lauren's picture's on private. So you wouldn't be able to see it. But uh, maybe I'll ask her if we can put well, it on. I have the copy screen grabbed here. Yeah. So uh, this, the, Okay. So um, anyway, it's a picture of Lauren in front of the police department. So uh, Mike goes. Uh, he comes up with three pretty good ones immediately. Yeah. Wait. What was your What was your text to us? I said, "What's a funny caption for this?" Lauren wants to post it. Right. You go, and it's Lauren. Just keep in mind, it's like a young woman in front of a police department. She, uh, Mike goes. When I said I wanted to see the best quote bars in Miami, this isn't what I meant. There's Referring not. to cell bars. Cell yeah, bars. Yeah, that's yeah. my first it's a double copy. entendre. Yeah. Uh, and then the second one was rough night in the clink, which I, I thought was the funniest. Wait, one. What's the clink is supposed to just? It's like it's like, it's like a slang term for jail, which is funny because she's like a attractive girl in her twenties. That sure, like so her client the clink seems like she's a hardened criminal. Yeah, and which and the next one, which is an extension of that, is out on bail and out, uh, sorry, out on bail and out of smokes. Hit me up if you're in South Beach, which I thought awesome. was very funny. Every time you say smokes, I just think that's an old time. It's a funny laugh. Really yeah. Well, and the hit me up if you're in South Beach is just such a funny like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, and then. Uh, uh, Shane goes, breaking news, a civilian has been shot. 
spot outside the Miami police station, <laughs> and she looks hot. Ow, ow, ow! <laughs> Which also we love. We I love that. That was a great we, one. We Shot meaning of her photo was taken. Yes. For those of you oh, who are like. Oh, good one. You didn't get that, Erica. You thought <laughs> I got it, it now. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you like it more now? I like it way more I, now. I, I will funny. say I did get confused. The reason I added the ow, ow, ows were because at first I thought you were saying you were going to Instagram it. Oh. So I was like, oh, this will be a fun compliment for you to say about Lauren. Sure, 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 sure. And then I realized maybe – is the reason she didn't go with that one because gunshot humor is a little risque for like – like Erica, for instance. She didn't – she thought we were talking about an actual like bang, bang. Um, I think they're like – it was 1A and 1B. Like it could have right. gone either way. We, we okay. laughed out loud at both. Lauren uh, responded like, you know, these guys are genius and should have your own caption writing business, which you guys kind of do that in your own job. I'll leave that for the kids in the pool to start that business. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it's – what do you think of that business idea for you guys? Just set up a, a phone number. People can text photos, photos, and then you guys can just come up with one, witty one-liners, and you charge five, five, five bucks, bucks, five bucks, yeah. five, five bucks, bucks a caption. caption? I'd pay for that. A used caption? I would. I'm yeah. really bad. At I think. Captions. I think people. Maybe we'll start it. Are, yeah. We tend to rattle them off like like that. Literally took me two minutes. Yeah. Well, Greg certainly won't be involved as he stayed silent. Yeah. Greg's exchange. out of the business. We're cutting him out. <laughs> I'm, I want to cut as just the manager. Well, you created the business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we've just given it away on this podcast, and someone else will start it. Yeah. So when a picture like that comes through yeah. and a request, what do you? What's your first reaction? Do you like? put everything aside and just sit and think for a second or <laughs> yeah. like, do you just keep going? I as love you the work? exercise. Yeah. I love the exercise. It's like Mad Libs or something. Like I just, I it comes through and then I go, Oh, okay. And then you just, well, your competitive juices get going. You want to be funny. Like, and sometimes it, I want to be first. Cause I know Shane's going to come up with something good. My brother will always come up with something good. So I'm always like, if I can just get my like three ideas, it's like what we do at work. It's like, yeah. if I get them out there, they're out there and then whatever. And Mike's a really good high quantity guy. So I'm like, okay, he's probably got three right now. I just got to come <laughs> through with one good one. <laughs> and then I'm sometimes I'm like, fuck, if I go first, uh, that sets the bar and then Mike can raise it. So I was kind of, I had my <laughs> Shane strategy. And I was waiting and then Mike sent his through and then I was like, shit. And then I added three out, hours, hours. Well, so yeah. she she went with uh, uh, yeah out on bail out of smokes hit me up at Miami South Beach yeah North yeah. South Beach yeah so uh, but but uh, a little dirty secret uh, sometimes if you've seen a, a clever Arkell's Instagram caption it is uh, not from me it's from one of these guys so oh, yeah, yeah that, that's that's uh, that's the truth sometimes when you're out on the road you'll send us a photo and go what's a good caption for this yeah exactly I remember one of my claims to fame was the uh, you had one of who's the guy called Hot Max oh shit uh, uh, Vance, Vance Joy, Joy. That was and one that one ones. borderline went viral oh yeah what, what was it again it was uh, you were standing- Hot Max Halloween costumes are all the rage right now. Something like Something that. Like that. It was me and Vance Joy standing next to you. Who yeah. looks very similar to yeah, you. He's like a taller, better looking yeah, like version. 4,000 likes in like yeah. two hours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just listened to Conan O'Brien's podcast and he, he mentioned how like it doesn't matter if he's like preparing to like host an award show or he just needs to make a speech at a friend's wedding or whatever. He takes it all equally seriously. Like he's like he gets like he's deadly serious about the art of comedy no matter what the context is he's like yeah if he's out for dinner at a restaurant he's like trying to make the table next to him laugh and i feel like you guys have that in common i think anyone who's creative kind of has that pressure yeah like if you were going to perform for uh, an elementary school you'd probably feel the same amount yeah, of you're right i do prepare for things uh if, if i'm presenting in public in any way I, I do try to take it seriously at yeah. least when it comes to music uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's get to the topics. Uh, we will get to the topics. Actually, first of all, we recorded an emergency Sunday pod, and I feel like people were very happy that we did that. Yeah. Cool. Did, did it feel drunk on your end? Because it was definitely pretty loose in the room, but when I listened back, I was oh, like... We sounded pretty good. Yeah, I, I thought it sounded pretty good. Because 
listen keep in mind i was listening through a phone that didn't seem like it was very close to you guys yeah and truth be told i couldn't hear a lot of what you guys were saying on the other end so i was <laughs> caught off guard a little bit like sure. all I, sometimes mike would be like shit what do you think about this and i'd be like shit what's he talking about and i'd have to chime <laughs> in but when i listened back you guys didn't seem that drunk at all i'm not sure if that's because of erica's amazing editing if she put a filter on it but it did sound very gregarious. <laughs> you know that uh, that sober filter that they put over <laughs> recordings. Yeah, it's a plug-in. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could have that plug-in for imagine? when I go home from the bar. <laughs> yeah. so Hello, you- Danica. How was your evening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got the sober plug-in on. Was that experiment a success? I thought it was pretty I, cool. People enjoyed it. When I listened back, I, it wasn't as meandering as I thought. Because again, like we we we'd had some drinks. Yeah, you know, for me, I mean, I don't know. I think people seem to like it, but I I always just judge these things if I like it. Like all these podcasts are just that's like really a all you can. Have we been entertaining ourselves? Yeah. I think that has to be kind of the first step because it's like if it's not fun for us to get together, then. Well, Bill Cosby always used to say, if you try to please everyone, Mm -hmm. you'll end up pleasing no one. Mm -hmm. Which is is a great state of referencing Bill Cosby. (sighs) Well, here's the the problem is it's like, yeah, it's it's a great quote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And he probably didn't even make that up either. Yeah. Um, But no, I just I heard another comedian on uh, Mike Pesca's podcast, The, The Gist, talk about his uh, inspirations growing up, and he rattled off a number of them, Bill Cosby being one of them. And I'm like, oh, can you? And it, was, and it was an honest take, and Bill Cosby obviously is a very influential dude for many people, but uh, it's just like, it's, it's weird that we're in a space that's like, you can't, it feels strange to say that. Well, you just get a weird feeling the minute you hear the name. Well, yeah. Seinfeld was in an interview, and he was talking about Bill Cosby, and uh, I believe it was with Stephen Colbert, and Colbert was like, can you still listen to those albums and uh, disassociate from the horrible things he's done? Seinfeld's like, yeah, I can. <laughs> and then Colbert gave him a little rebuttal to that, and then Seinfeld's like, you know what? I've changed my mind. So he did mid-interview, he changed his mind on his thoughts on that, which I thought was amazing because no one changes their stance in a debate or sure. a, a conversation. Well, it's one thing to say um, that you that this person was an influence on you when you were coming of age. And then it's another thing to say, like, but now listening to his records, I feel a little strange and I don't want to get behind it. Those are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Erica, did you mind coming in on a Sunday night? It was your, your Easter dinner? No, it was fun. I was on my way back anyway. I was going to be in the city anyway. But um, Did you already have that fun. six pack of bush? Yeah, like, I took it from my parents' fridge. That's what my dad drinks. <laughs> so nice. I just brought but it down. Would you, would you have if you weren't coming to record a pod? Yes. Oh, okay. I still would have. Yeah, I also think that... Um, so I'm going to be going away again. What? Coming up. But uh, I, what do you think about the call-in part of the show? Because I know we're, it's always better if we're all in the room together. But if, one, if I can call in, I think we should still just keep doing them. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, the people are getting used to these three pods a week now. So we're going to have to do a call-in. Yeah. Good. Okay. It's just, it was like, not that I was super annoyed, but uh, Sunday around midnight. It's a, And, you know, I had to, like, export the clip to Erica, which took a little bit. And then I had to, like, Google what mercenaries meant. And it was like, <laughs> okay, guys, our three topics today. What do you want to start with, guys? Che, Notre Dame, or uh, Kanye West? It's in Shane's court. What do you want? My court. Okay, uh, Che. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so first of all, did everyone read Stephen Hyden's piece? Uh, I did. You told me to. Yeah, yeah, I just felt like we needed that for context because, you know, Che was very upset, or at least he went at the critic, Hyden, because, I guess, of the way that his piece was sort of written about Colin Jost. And you said, Max, in setting this up, like, you kind of wanted to get to the, uh, this is what you said. Did you see this? Might be interesting to talk about the nature of criticism in art and the way Che dealt with it was a bit of a story on Twitter this weekend. So that's how you set it up. So what did this story sort of, like, uh, represent to you? Yeah, so Stephen Hyden is one of my favorite music writers, like a rock too. Critic, yeah, yeah, he typically writes, uh, yeah, stuff on music. 
Um, I, I didn't know, first of all, that people didn't like Colin Jost. I thought Colin Jost was a pretty likable dude. So I was a little, su- first of all, a little surprised to hear that, yeah, people think he's a, a bit of a hack. Um, and I, it all made me wonder, I was like, I wonder if people don't like him or the people that don't like him don't like him because he's dating Scarlett Johansson. I was like wondering if like it came across like that in the article. He had a couple. <laughs> did you read it? Yeah, I did. All, yeah. The, all the nerd references. He like kept calling Scarlett by her like DC character name. Yeah, he was like, she's Black sleeping Widow. with an yeah. Avenger. Okay, yeah. So, so you think there's a bit of a case of jealousy there? It it <laughs> came it off. It wasn't <laughs> critique. It was it to me. It came off, uh, and I'm not saying he is, but it came off a little incelly. Yeah, to me, like like this, incels, like oh, the, like sure. you know, it's like he seemed like a, a jealous kid. Oh, interesting. Okay, because who writes an article on someone who they consider mediocre? He's like he is handsome, but not that handsome. Like who <laughs> who points that out? It was a very weird piece. To Shane's point, it's like if you want to talk about like his his delivery on Weekend Update or maybe like the quality of his jokes, that's sort of like criticism in comedy, and that happens. And I, we've seen comedians get upset at people giving sort of fair and honest criticism. This article read like it was the weirdest piece ever. Like he was talking about his personal life, his the way he looks, the way he might be perceived, sort of insinuating that he's obviously like, you know, he, he the Staten Island movie was like derivative of uh, whatever the other like. It's just like yeah, adventure, every, adventure, adventure land. land. And now here's the thing, that actually isn't that's not bad. Like if he says he did Staten Island, which was it was a mediocre derivative sort of uh, rip off of Adventureland. That actually is criticism that is maybe valid, or at least what you would expect to read. Going into the fact that he's dating Scarlett Johansson and his looks and all this mm. stuff is just—it was very, very weird, and I thought it did a disservice to hide in and criticism. Sure, yeah. Um, do you think? Uh, <laughs> what do you think of uh, Michael Che's response? I didn't think it was particularly funny. Yeah, I didn't think it was funny at all. I th- I thought it was a little funny in its bluntness because yeah. Michael Che. I'm not sure if you follow him on Instagram normally. His stories, it's like, don't mess with Che because he's not worried about being politically correct and he will insinuate that you give fellatio to dogs. Like, yeah. He'll do that. So, If I, you haven't seen it, Che went on his Insta story and basically kept saying, I heard, I don't know this Stephen Hyden guy, but I heard he's a dog fucker. He's performed Yeah, it was about four or five stories no, in a row. Where he, he, where it was like, and it's supposed to be in a comedic way where he's like, I don't know, have you heard about this guy named Stephen from Minnesota? Who I think he's a music writer. and he, I heard he likes to suck dogs. But he, he was trying to name. protect yeah. himself of... Uh, from getting like liable, liable. so he's trying to uh, word it in a way that's like allegedly i heard this i'm not sure if i'm getting the name right and he just basically wrote the name Stephen Hyde as many times as he can and like fucking a dog as many times uh, as he I think can he or somebody else changes the Stephen Hyde's wikipedia page to to <laughs> referencing sucking dogs to, which is that's actually kind of funny well and then in that sense che kind of wins you know what i mean like yeah it's so fascinating i mean i i, I guess the question would be do you think that you know, we actually talked about this on this pod with Shane. It's like, it's like, does it make sense for Chain Che to go at the critic, or is it better to just ignore him? I, I think the way Che's style is, it's better to go back. And he went back at him with a ridiculous thing that wasn't based in reality or any truth. So no one actually. It's just like a teasing joke. Like he wasn't making fun of the guy's appearance, the guy's weight. Whereas Hayden, on the other hand, was being kind of cruel. I thought. Yeah, um, I kind of feel like. Everyone's a winner on this one because I don't think that Hayden. Maybe I I don't want to speak for Hayden, but the impression is that, like this was kind of a, a goofy piece. Like it didn't. It was really, a non-story. It was a non-story. It was like the slowest news day ever. Or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it totally, it totally was. And so Stephen Hayden writes this sort of goofy 
piece on. Uh, what do you think prompted it? Do you think he was just flipping through Us Weekly and saw like a photo of Jost and Scarlett Johansson? I mean, he strikes like, me as the kind of guy, and you guys are SNL nerds too, that just thinks about the SNL rankings, right? And just goes, "Oh, this might be an interesting." If you're a person that's immersed in that world, uh, and you're thinking, "Oh, Colin Jost was ranked," uh, you know. 200th out of 225 cast members or whatever it's like oh that's interesting and then you, you know it's funny when you when you're so inside something i can imagine how an idea would come to mind his piece was so anecdotal too in a way that it's like everybody that in my life hates him or so, like it's like okay so like you've, you've had three people to dinner party say they find him a bitch smarmy so now you're gonna put it in an article as it, if it's they're fact. just comedy snobs on his twitter feed right it's just like anyway yeah, I, but, 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 I but, thought he did himself a disservice with the piece 100 i think out of the three of them he easily comes out the worst. But, che, to me, is a non-thing. It's like him just fucking around on his, his Instagram that made it a story. If Che doesn't respond, this isn't a story, by the way. No, of course not. Uh, but I think why everyone possibly wins is that I don't think Haydn really cares that much about this thing. He didn't seem to be personally offended by the Michael Che thing. If anything, he, way more people know his name now than before. And what's associated with his name? Yeah, well, no, but This is where if we were the Stern show, there would be a sound effect of, like, fellatio. That would <laughs> or, like, that. a dog, like, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, a dog. Yeah, that would be, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> uh, but, but But he responded going. to Michael Che going, uh, like, Happy Easter, you're your pal Steve like I think he got a kick out of the fact that Michael Che even knows who he is and also a bunch of his journalist pals came to his defense that was the other thing which I found kind of interesting is how a bunch of writers oh critics critics defended their own and said you know this is classic Michael Che behavior this guy's the most thin-skinned he's bullying he's bullying like one of our own which which I thought that was to me the, the kind of the most entertaining part is is people getting indignant about like about a journalist under attack. It's one of our own is being attacked. Where it's like, listen, you, you read the piece. Does, does this piece need to exist? Like objectively, yeah, probably it was like not. Tabloidy kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's like tabloidy, and and also Chase jokes clearly are silly and and like not actually like that. I didn't find the jokes to be that offensive because they're so silly. They're yeah. so ridiculous. <laughs> Critics get very defensive when somebody sort of, which is kind of ironic, uh, when somebody goes back <laughs> at critics and maybe critiques their pieces. Yeah, I, I saw this with uh, Ron Funches. He got really upset at a guy that I thought had a reasonable sort of like a review of his stand-up special. And he just fucking, I don't know. It's like there's something interesting about that. And I, we have an artist in the room. Mm -hmm. Max, you get reviewed all the time for your albums and for your works. When you read a bad one or a negative one, what is your reaction? Do you feel the need to defend yourself? No. Well, he actually, I can usually tell... Um, the difference between like an, sort of a more objective piece of criticism, which I might agree with, if um, for instance it's like, you know, oh they're they're trying to do something a little more poppy and and I, I, they didn't pull it off. That, that, okay, that's fair enough. Like if like we were like an Arkell song might be trying to go for something kind of poppy, and if you don't think we pulled it off or it's not as good as it could be, fair enough. But with but if there's a tone to it and there's anecdotal observation where you can just tell the kind of person who and the, and the worldview and the corner of the culture that they're coming from i go oh that doesn't actually really bother me at all because I, that's just where they're that's the world they're coming from and this is the kind of thing that would or would not appeal to them it's very obvious most of the time in a lot of music criticism if there's like a personal slant to it uh, but know. if there was like an equivalent uh, article about you if yeah. it was like knocking at the door is a good song and then in uh, brackets it said but is it really that good and it was like Max is mildly handsome, and his hair is somewhat curly. Well, I mean, I think I, th I mean you, you, the point you guys have made about this one with Colin Jost is like, oh, does this guy seem maybe a little jealous, or is, is, is there a, you know, a, does his social circle 
think about a guy like a guy like Colin Jost in the, in a particular kind of way, and is that coming through in his writing? Yeah, like and and I th- and I can normally see that when it comes to like when I'm reading reviews for anything, not just Arkell stuff. I'm always go okay, I can kind of see okay, this person went to this kind of school or came from this kind of neighborhood and is maybe prone or not prone to liking that kind of person. Yeah, their they, worldview or their critique is more about themselves than it necessarily is about Jost. They, he doesn't know Jost, right? Yeah. But he has an idea of what Jost might be like. I, I, I find this uh, not even in the world of criticism. I was talking about this the other day with... Was I talking to you about it? But I was just talking about how like when you see certain different people interact with each other yeah. and you see people either get along or be rubbed the wrong way, usually it just comes from like what their experience was like growing up. And it's like, oh, this is the kind of person that reminds me of somebody I'd either really get along with in high school or get along with at work or a person that reminds me of somebody who kind of annoyed me for, for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, it would have been a better article if he personalized it a little more saying like, I don't like Colin Jost for why don't I like him? And then examine that instead of just assuming that everyone doesn't like him or everyone finds him average. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, cause the other thing about Colin Jost is like, I, I always put myself in the shoes of anybody who has to do that show I'm like, man, that is a hard gig. There's a lot of pressure on it. And Colin Jost is no, no slouch. I mean, he was, you know, I think being the editor of the Harvard Crimson and and being able to, like, that in itself, there's a lot of smart people that go to Harvard. Like, you can't be just, like, a mediocre talent to get that job. And no, then, you have to be rich as well. But you have to be rich as well, sure. For, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's another conversation. But, uh, and then to do, and his bit on the show, I think, is to, compliment Che because like because Che's personality is a little bit more assertive and Jose is sort of like the eh, okay like that I think that's sort of the give and take between the two of I them. I think they're very good I think they have something special do I think that they're all timers that people are going to like they're, they're not like Seth no. and uh, Tina Fey and that's fine yeah. do you know what I mean like it's like but I think they, they have some sort of chemistry that works for those two guys for sure yeah I thought Norm Macdonald was one of the best uh, hosts ever like of that and, and wasn't he ranked at the very yeah, bottom of that he, list? He was like 13 below from the yeah. very bottom. Yeah, he was definitely like, uh, I, don't, I think misunderstood in real time. And I think there's been an appreciation amongst comedy nerds and people that sort of appreciate how much he owned the silence of those sort of uh, joke deliveries in those, in, in those days. Um, I do wonder, though, like if you watch those today, I've, I find those funny for a lot of reasons, but more like in like a, I don't know, like um, a case study sort of way when I watch it. Like I listen to the crowd. I think about it being 19, you know, 95 and him delivering these OJ jokes and knowing that obviously the head of NBC was golfing buddies with OJ. So he wanted Norm fired. And there's so much history there that it's interesting to watch in a time capsule. But, th- but I do go like, are these jokes funny you know what i mean and i go like i think they are for but me they are they're but they're also i think provocative in a way that he's kind of challenging you with the jokes which is a, a different way to approach weekend update i find norm's jokes stand the test of time in a way yeah. uh, that many other comics don't necessarily it's all in his cadence too like yeah. i went in fact when i was since i just read the article and they were talking about norm i was picturing norm's voice in the uh, dog fellatio remark, <laughs> like I don't know, I heard he has sex with dogs. Like, and to me, I'm laughing at how Norm would say mm-hmm. it more than what's written. I think I think Norm's also his Norm McDonald's comedy was ahead of its time. There was a bluntness to his like sort of like punchlines. Then he would just kind of wait for you to laugh. And also he would have these callbacks to Frank Stallone. Like he'd be like, he'd be like, and then you know he'd have some news story. He'd be like, and then who was the third man there? You guessed it. Frank Stallone, and it would be the same hilarious shot of Frank Stallone. This was a running bit that happened throughout his whole tenure. That's kind of meme culture well before meme culture, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and people didn't really know how to react. There'd be like 10% of the people in the audience that would laugh at how it's absurd, but then people would be like, 
what the fuck is well, he talking about? Well, he was about? rewarding people for paying attention yeah. or being loyal fans. Because yeah. the joke may not be funny now, but you're going to laugh in three weeks from now when I'm still using this. Totally. And there's just some people that won't get why Frank Stallone, Sylvester Stallone's way less successful brother, is funny. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny, and sometimes you can't explain <laughs> yeah. comedy. Um, do you think... And by the way, we should note that this isn't the first time that... Che has gone after a critic. Someone else wrote a piece, I think, about him a few years ago. He goes ago. after everyone. Yeah, he goes after everybody. People who DM him, he'll do three stories on. <laughs> <laughs> you have that in common, I feel like. I like it. <laughs> Che's your guy. Well, the, all is fair. If you're going to go after someone, yeah. uh, be able to take it back. Yeah. If Shane and I were like the, the Jost and Che, like uh, yeah. if we ever tried to do a comedy duo, he would definitely be the Che and I would definitely not engage. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I like to know that you would maybe defend me if somebody uh, absolutely I would. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All right, let's get to the next one. All right, so the next one on the docket, guys. Want to do Kanye or Notre Dame? Let's do Notre Dame. All right. So obviously, the big story here is that uh, the famous and historic cathedral burned down, and everybody is stepping up to rebuild this sort of beautiful piece of. Uh, historic architecture. The three wealthiest families in France are like, whatever it takes. Corporations are trying to throw money at it. Everybody's getting on board. Now, in a vacuum, you go, oh, that's very nice. It's this historical building and everybody wants to rebuild this beautiful thing that once stood so proudly uh, in Paris. The problem is, it's like, I think a lot of people, and this happens a lot this day and age, and this is a very modern sort of outlook, which is, why are we all getting on board for this thing, which essentially is like nice, but not essential, mm-hmm. but we're all ignoring a myriad of fucking other issues like no water in Flint, uh, the fact that Puerto Rico is still struggling, all of these sort of like causes where real lives are at stake, but we're all like, oh, the beautiful thing is gone. Let's all dump money into it. Mm-hmm. I, that's basically the outlook. Yeah. That's the position. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, we're more talking about like the fundraising efforts. There's a couple of little funny things <clears throat> um, that, that I found amusing. Uh, and very French. Have you guys been to France? Before? Yeah, I have. Okay. I, by myself. Was it on that? Uh, it was on the breakup tour, baby. Breakup tour. <laughs> yeah, and it's also it really is the city of lovers. I went out for like a meal one night, and I just was like by myself, and I had my little notebook, and I was looking around, and literally just like people like kiss. it looked like fucking like Lady in the Tramp, like a couple was <laughs> sucking a, like a spaghetti noodle until they kissed, and I was just so sad. That so was not happening. That didn't happen. But there was couple. The one restaurant I went to was hilariously stacked with couples, like enjoying this beautiful like Friday night out. So I just went back to my hotel and like watched a movie. I watched like Godfather. <laughs> French. What what kind of movie? Movie? Yeah, well, you know, I'd rather not. Get into that. <laughs> what do I got on pay per view? <laughs> that would be worth uh, twenty euro. Well, 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 what I was going to get at is that I like that France. Uh, I've never, I've only been to Calais, basically, which is the port city that takes you to uh, England. Uh, I've never actually. Oh, actually, no, I've been to Nice. I was in Nice last uh, two years ago. Um, but the French people love uh, French stereotypes, and it seems like French people live up to their stereotypes basically all the time it sounds like your experience there it's like you said it was very what you would imagine it would very be. romantic yeah. and i did like it that the first uh the people that uh put their hand up to throw in money to the pot for notre dame the first one was the guy who owns gucci and saint laurent he's like a hundred million dollars and then the louis vuitton guy was like fuck you 200 million dollars oh that's funny and then the l'oreal people are like 200 million from us so just like france is this place that's uh so associated with like looks and beauty uh, and I just like like and now and they got criticized too because it's like I guess you get real tax shelter for making this charitable donation. Sure. So a lot of people are like, wait a second, is this just like a PR move where one you look like good guys for donating to this church and two you're just making any more money anyway because it's a charity. Um, so I like that. Also, I um, I thought that. Have you been following this yellow vest? Basically, there's been protesters for 23 weeks in a row uh, in France, in Paris, and other places, uh, basically protesting 
income inequality. The really, really the heart of this issue in itself is like that there's too much money at the top going to places where it shouldn't. Uh, and I just thought it was, I guess there's a real history of, uh, I'm going to sound like an ignoramus here, but a real history of protesting in France. And the fact that they burn Paris to the ground every week. French Revolution, for, baby. For 23 weeks. And that is just commonplace. I think it's so badass. Mm-hmm. If there's like one protest and there's like one cloud of smoke in the street in Toronto, people would be traumatized here. Or in North America or most other places for that matter. If there was like a clash between the government uh, and civilians every weekend for 23 weekends at Queen's Park, wouldn't that be insane? And that's what happens every weekend seemingly. In Paris. Anyway, I just I just like how that has become a part of that culture because I think we could use more of it. <laughs> more of the, the people rising up? Yeah, I think there should be more protests angry, in taking the, street. the streets. Yeah, people are pissed off mm-hmm. about it, and I think that's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, this is why we have sort of the right to assemble and protest peacefully. Yeah. Um, I don't know if things have ever gotten so bad in this country for a certain segment of people, not obviously the indigenous people, but that we would maybe get together and you know, uh, do something violent or really sort of like uh, push the boundaries in order to get what we want. You yeah, guys I, remember that G20 summit? Yeah. That was, I was scared that was during violent. that period. Yeah. Right? And they yeah. do that every weekend in, That's in nuts. Paris. Isn't that crazy? Uh, so but what, what are your guys' thoughts on sort of like um, the idea of don't spend your money on this, spend your money on this? Because there's, there's a lot that goes into it. One, it's like, well, you can't really tell people how they want to spend their money. Yeah. If people value art and the aesthetic of an architectural building more than, say, the value of a life in Flint, Michigan, Mm -hmm. that's their prerogative. And this is, you know, this is kind of, and by the way, it makes them maybe a shitty person or a corporate entity or whatever, but ultimately they get to decide what they want to do with their money. I guess you could decide not to use their product. Okay, here's a hypothetical. What if um, the church said, hey, we have more than enough money, we're going to donate this money to some worthy cause and we're going to save a bunch of lives. Do you think, one, I think that would actually be a badass PR move. Mm -hmm. To be like, hey, thank you very much, uh, but this we're going to put this money to a very good place. And two, do you think that would piss people off that uh, well, donate the a, money? What's a very good place? They're a Catholic institution. Like, they're, it's religion. It's like in religion. There's there's issues with religion as well, and sure. like the way that they sort of like. No, but actually, I think I think the church is actually owned. I think the, uh, is owned by the state of France. Okay. I think this church particular. I think I think. Uh, the people who do the staffing there is, uh, I looked this up, is run by the archdiocese. Okay. But in this case, I think it's a state-run building. Sure. So there is an opportunity there. to. I'm just always to, skeptical of religion as big business. Of course. No, no, sure enough. Because religion by its very nature is exclusionary and judgmental and you know certain people aren't allowed to participate. But what if they said, hey, we're going to... We're going to make sure that there's clean water in Flint, Michigan, where this is we're going to reach out across the pond and we're going to, you know, help these people, help these people. I'm just saying they could have got creative there. Yeah. But and I wonder if Louis Vuitton would be pissed off about that. Like, it is I, interesting. I wanted though, my money to go here. Yeah. How you can uh, criticize someone giving money to help out a cause, and then it's like this guy's an asshole. <laughs> Hundred million? Come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, with the ALS challenge, this happened too. A lot of people were outraged that it was going towards this cause when there were so many. A lot of people thought there was other causes that were more deserving. Sure, I mean, that's always going to be a debate though in the world of charity. That's it's, what I mean. It, but but this is particularly egregious because. These guys just snap their fingers, and it's not just like a donation of fifty bucks. It's a hundred million dollars. It's like oh, you're just sitting on that. You were just sitting on that money, and now you want it to go to some objectively frivolous. I mean, it's an important institution and is a beautiful site. Yeah, I think it, it means people, a lot to people. It, people are devastated. By yeah, that. it definitely it, means a lot to people. But saving lives 
objectively is more important. Sure, but at least they're doing something. And anytime you're criticizing a charity, it's like, well, what's the preference that they just do nothing, that they don't donate a hundred million dollars? Yeah, I guess then the question is, is like how you prioritize. Like let's your let's giving. let's talk to the people who are actually criticizing it, and let's all like if everyone in the world donated a dollar today, mm-hmm. that that would be. Ten billion dollars, right? So let's. There's not ten billion people on there. How many people are on the like world? Six, I think. Yeah, it's sorry, there. Max. <laughs> <laughs> sorry if the point now is moot, but I, I, <laughs> I think people just see the number two hundred million dollars and they go, "It was that easy for you to just donate to something? Yeah. Why not take five, like five fifty million of that and throw it at Flint or Puerto Rico or somewhere where people are dying? Yeah, and then take a hundred and fifty million or give it, it to your church. own damn country where people are protesting the streets every weekend. But this is kind of my original point, though. Is it's like. Uh, to, or and this kind of goes with Shane. It's like, who are you to tell people how to spend their money? Sure. Like, but we just have to be okay with, or at least understand the fact that to these people, the church and what it means to them means more than like say human lives in another sort of dire situation, and that's their prerogative. You know. Yeah. Seven point seven billion people in there. Okay. Right? Split the difference. Yeah, split the difference. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, old buildings burning to the ground? Like, like, like. I like it. that's a hot take no no okay i know i've never been to this place people who have been say it's you know a real stunning achievement it's it's really powerful to be inside um i've never been there so i can't speak to that but i also think that like art and architecture and history matters for the human experience i do think that there needs to be patrons and i do think money needs to go into art and like something like notre dame and like and and preserving it and keeping these things we don't have these landmarks and sort of like these beacons of our history and along the way i think that is important for the human experience Because like why do we want to be alive why do we want to fight for cancer so people can enjoy things that are like the fruits of life sure exactly in the words of uh george harrison all things must pass you know that's fair i I think there's this this thing had a really good run and if it's going to be different now that shouldn't necessarily bump people i understand why people are emotionally attached to it and why it's a pretty, uh, you know, stunning and sad mm-hmm. thing to see the thing burn. But uh, I was, do you guys have anything? I'm trying to put it in the context of like this neighborhood. Is there any anything that like were to burn down here that you'd be like, we need to do anything it takes to uh, to, to resurrect the, no. the building? My outlook with all things to bring it down to a more micro sense is it's like there's stuff that we have in our, our homes, right? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like if those things all like burned, I would be bummed out about a few of them because I'm like, oh, I really wanted to keep that, you know, thing, thing. I have like these bins that sort of like are stuff from high school or whatever. Like I've pared down my life into things that I kind of want to keep going forward. If, if the house burns down or the apartment burns down or whatever and you lose all those things, you go, man, I'm bummed out. I'll never have that photograph again or this again. But ultimately, my outlook these days is you just move on and you rebuild and you actually get over it pretty damn quick. Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe some I can't speak for everybody, but for mm-hmm. me and. Sorry. No, so if there was a building or like say I was like the CN Tower means a lot to me and it burned to the ground, I wouldn't be like, We need to build another CN Tower. But I also I understand people's sort of need to have this pride and to build something as a community and why it might sort of like mean something to somebody, but I would be like, Oh, I gotta go to work tomorrow and that's the least of my worries. I was just gonna say all the good photos are on Instagram now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you can't burn the yeah. database, baby. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, we were talking about this off uh, off air about just uh, materialism and like our sense of like you know longing for for physical items. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of of the mind. Had a pretty good run, and like it's just the matter of making something new for the next generation to to appreciate. Yeah, we all kind of have the same outlook. We've talked about this on a pod previously. I don't know. 
maybe a year ago or something. But the idea that like um, I'm not interested in physical things necessarily that I can take with me. I'm interested in spending money on experiences. So it's like somebody you'd be like. And I guess this is a bit of an experience going to the Notre Dame. Like that yep, provided you can build a memory on. there for yeah. sure. For sure. I agree. But I guess I'm, I'm talking more like the idea of like jewelry or cars or like uh, fancy, fancy things that people like to acquire because they go out and, they, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I'd be more interested in just having like dirt cheap jeans and a T-shirt and then going to. I guess something like Notre Dame or like a basketball game. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the being around people is more important than having something that's like super fancy. And I guess it was a communal place where you kind of come together and take in the history of the city in this one particular building. Sure. Erica, what do you think? I agree. <laughs> I think um, uh, I agree with you, Mike. Like I'm very much more for an experience. I remember I used to work with this girl when I was a teenager and she was like 25 and she was always going on trips and stuff and I was like how do you afford these trips like you're just a server at Boston Pizza and she was like I would rather go on an, a trip than have a nice purse mm-hmm. and I was like ah true that's yeah. a good point yeah and that's a good uh, way to live. yeah and I feel the same way um as far as all the money that's going to Notre Dame um I agree with like you can do whatever you want with your money but I totally understand all of the critiques yeah, like how do you prioritize your your charity uh, and what do you want to give to? And that's a question that we all have to kind of deal with. Yeah. Do you guys donate to charity? I do sometimes. Yeah. I don't need my often, time. Not enough. You, you donate your time. Yeah. That's good. And. Yeah, this is a podcast, right? This podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might come much charity. <laughs> Thank you, Erica, for your time. It's been so valued. That was a Sunday night charity game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, the money went to Notre Dame. Uh, anything else about that? I mean, the companies—they did it. No, I just, I just want the French to keep living up to their stereotypes. That it's just a place full of like fashion designers and protesters. That's what they value. That's like the the one thing I got from the article. It was like, okay, there's a sweet old church. Uh, there's a bunch of fashion designers who have a fuck ton of money, and there's people riding in the streets. Those are like the three temples of French society, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's the title of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last topic of the day, gang, is Kanye West uh, at Coachella decided to throw a service, a church service. Uh, Sunday service. Sunday service. Uh, 50,000 people of an estimated 100,000 people attend Coachella. So just about half of them went to this service. It was star studded. They woke up early on Sunday morning after a weekend of partying. I sure didn't that weekend. We were at Coachella get up that early. But the yeah. So essentially Chance the Rapper was there. All the Kardashians. Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi. Uh, Kanye did a sermon. He performed Jesus Walks and some other tunes. Yeah. yeah, he did the damn thing, and apparently it got rave reviews. Yeah, it's pretty epic. They uh, said he stole Coachella, the story. The well, line. this is why Kanye could be called a genius, is that he zigs while everyone else zags. Um, he originally, I think it was rumored that he was going to headline Coachella, and he pulled out because they wouldn't um, give him the produ- production demands that he wanted for a stage. I think he wanted to, to build the dome at Coachella, which is an absurd thing to request, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> and so then... After uh, the whole lineup had been announced, rumor starts coming out that he's going to do Sunday service. And Sunday service is a thing that a few people have seen on Twitter, just like little clips somewhere in Southern California where he just like kind of gets together this like massive gospel band and they perform original Kanye songs and uh, traditional gospel tunes. Uh, and so people are like, this is a really interesting thing because it's in the light of day. You know, most rock concerts are uh, you know under the rock and roll lights. Um, so it's different in that way. And then he announced that he's going to be doing it at Coachella. And I just thought, I was like, oh, that man, well, he's so smart at marketing because he allowed, after the headliners came out, he allowed to have his own separate 
headlines just for himself. He's the first person, I think, to perform in the morning at Coachella. And I guess they built basically like a mountain for him and his, what, like 50-piece band to perform on while everybody else gathered around it. And I just thought like he's he's like consistently been an innovator when it comes to musical performances and the way he rolls out an album. And I know he, he's criticized or, or people roll their eyes at him a lot now because it, it seems somewhat unfocused sometimes. But I thought this was a very genius move. Yes, yeah, sorry. I thought the topic was how much his uh, his gear was. <laughs> oh, his merch. Yeah, I thought I thought that's what we were <laughs> oh, going to no, talk was, about. I mean, that was another talking point. Is that uh, he ended up selling? Well, what did the hoodies say? Like it was like Sunday service or yeah, like it, God stuff. And it just looked like a Hanes style. Uh, oh sweatshirt. yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody in his band, including himself or his musical group, were wearing this sort of like pastel colored, like purple cloth cloth like sweatsuits basically mm, yeah uh and they looked amazing it was pretty incredible <laughs> but i i thought of, i thought of you when it, the we were talking about the the prices or when i was looking them up because when we did our uh, live show for the podcast uh-huh. uh you were like shame people want to give their money because <laughs> we we were we were really embarrassed because tickets were like 40 dollars uh-huh. and, and mike was like no Anyone who comes to this show is going to get into the the next show for free or reduced. Yeah, when we did the Just for Laughs show, they were charging like a lot for the Just for Laughs. Like our live show might go much. I, f- I felt so bad about how much they were spending on the tickets. Yeah. I was like, if you come to that show, you'll come to the next one for free, mm-hmm. which they will when we have one. But your theory was no, they 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 people want to pay for stuff to say like, hey, I'm putting my stamp and say I like. Well, I this. think people like to support their favorite artists, and I feel right. that way about my favorite artists. I have no problem with buying a T-shirt uh, or buying a, a vinyl mm-hmm. at the show. And I feel good about it too, actually. Uh, I mean, there is a, there is a fine line though, with you know the difference between a twenty five to thirty five dollar t shirt, for example, versus a hundred and twenty dollar t shirt. Is that what he was selling? His I don't know. Book? It was very. Oh. They were two hundred. He has a history of doing that though. I yeah. remember like the Yeezus tour. Yeah. Same thing. Like everybody was like, "Holy cow!" He's selling like ninety dollar t shirts, and they were like Gildan. Like they're literally what your like gym shirts were made out yeah. of in high in school. In some ways, that's a bit of a troll though. You have to be pretty. You have to have some money to go to Coachella. Like, listen, there are people that sure. save You're up right all year that. and go, and they aren't, they aren't, you know, young people of means. But the majority of people that attend Coachella are rich kids. Yeah. And so in some ways, it's kind of, a to me, I think a great troll where it's like, I'm going to sell you a Gildan t-shirt for $200, and you're going to buy it because literally you have an unlimited budget. It's like Fire Festival. It's like, if they're going to pay it at Coachella, mm-hmm. I don't know, if you're Kanye, it's kind of like, you kind of get what you deserve if you're willing to pay $200 for a t-shirt. Well, he's kind of a luxury brand. I yeah, like yeah, that's a great like, point. That's a great point. Like Louis Vuitton like or whatever. People loved buying those Yeezys just, and the, how much they were was part of the whole thing. Like, look what I am wearing. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a status symbol that you can proudly show off that you have a T-shirt that costs $120. Yeah. So are we are we in for that? It seems like we're all on board for the uh, expensive shit, except for Max. No, I mean, I wouldn't personally buy something that expensive. But I do find, as Mike pointed out, like the, the culture around it to be kind of interesting. And, and like how he does kind of troll people. People still love to buy them anyway. I don't know. Yeah, it's different when it comes to like when you ask about like merch, like say our merch, for instance, right? Like yeah. I couldn't, I could never do that in good conscience. I'd be like, this is what the cost of the thing is. This is what it costs. You know, we're going to charge a little bit more than what we paid to, to print it so that we can print more in the future if we don't sell enough of these. Like there is like a way to sort of do business that's like, I feel like, hey, this is like what I feel comfortable selling for. Kanye is kind of like I feel like it's almost like it's art in its own way the selling of his merch you know what I mean and like mm-hmm. I hope we get so big that you know 
we can sell a lot of stuff, but I would never, ever, and I'm saying this, I'll say this on this pod right now, never like charge outrageous prices just because we can. But yeah. maybe that's a silly thing to say. It is know. funny too because people have no problem stealing music. Yeah. It's just the norm, right? Everyone's taking music from all these artists and people want stuff at such uh, an affordable price. Like podcasts have to be free or people won't listen to them. But the second something's too much and the money benefits Kanye, it's like, oh, this is outrageous. But people have just been getting shit for free for so long. I think they're a little bit spoiled. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, I think. And merch is a huge form of how you guys get paid yeah, right now, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think that the. Yeah, it, it has become socially acceptable to, that, to steal. To, well, to steal. <laughs> but then also that merch. I, you know, I do. I think there is a sweet spot um, that some artists really try to abide by. Like, you know, Elton John tickets were very expensive, yeah. for example. Uh, but his merch was actually quite affordable. Like I bought like the jacket was like sixty five bucks. It was like a really nice jacket. So that's I, amazing. At yeah. an Elton John concert to get a coat for sixty five bucks. Sixty five bucks. Yeah, it was yeah, like cheaper huge. than what you'd buy at like H and M or something, and it was like a better quality. But Absolutely. I bet you if the CDs and stuff actually sold the way they used to, the merch wouldn't be as expensive. Yeah, the economy is just different. It's like people point out that even though like vinyl used to cost twenty bucks back in the eighties, like concert tickets were like six dollars. So like things just cost a different matter. Different the the, the money coming into the music business as a whole is still significant but it's just put in different places i'd say yeah and and and, and that's also i'll also add that there is probably issues with the the streaming model and how artists get paid and that's a whole other conversation but there is money if, if you're willing to tour there is money kind of being put into the industry totally also the other thing too is it's like this podcast isn't our livelihood yeah. so like we can we it all have mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all merch sales uh, will go to erica so it's more actually like- this is a great just segue just to pimp our uh, mic on much gear Mike on Much Gear, check it out. We also have a podcast called The Pedestal. We also have a show on Crave called Mike on Much Presents. But what I was going to say about the idea of like, we have the luxury because we all have jobs outside of this podcast to be like, you know, I don't want to overcharge for like a live show sure. because if we only did, you know, if we only do one live show a year and this was our only job, we you would be a lot more precious about what sure. you charge. You'd be like, we have mm-hmm. to charge $40 a ticket because that's how we eat. Well, in fact, you mentioned... Do- do I donate to charity? Yeah. Our first show we did, we all donated to charity. Yeah. We went, to, went to Lupus and we started point. the I Sing for Lupus Challenge. Yeah. Which, yep. which raised a lot of money. We made no money on that live show. Everything went to Lupus. Yeah. And, and on the second live show where the tickets were very expensive, we made, I think, no money each, on it. No, 70, we each made 70, 75 bucks. 75 bucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Anyway, so if you want a Mike on Much t shirt. <laughs> <laughs>